Coffee with Casey, where I just, sorry, but I had to put on a bright shirt today. I was getting kind of bored of all the bland stuff. So uh, we had to light it up again. All right, so here's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about, you know, it's obviously a changing market. So we're gonna take a market snapshot. And I mean, basically what I have to say is some of it is a little alarming, um, but um, uh, we gotta be prepared. There's changing strategies in a market like this. Those of, of the sellers and the agents that don't come up with their different strategies are destined to fail. And I'm gonna show you by how much they're going to fail here in a second. So let's take a whip over. I'll share my screen with you guys and we'll go take a look at the uh, at our charts. And there you go. So what we're gonna be talking about today is our market snapshot, strategies for a changing market. These are critical. Determining the value of your home needs to be based on the pending contracts, not the sold. The solds are from April and May. Be honest with you, they're irrelevant at this point. What's happening is what's happening right now. What are the pendings doing? When people are putting houses on the market, what is not selling, right? So if they put it on and you're like, that's probably where it should be and it's not selling. Okay, we got a problem, right? So we need to be more uh, thoughtful about where we get our comps from. Our comps basically are coming from pendings. Now, as far as appraisals are concerned, there are gonna be no problems with appraisals from here on out because the appraiser is going to use the comps at the higher prices and so the appraisers are not a problem anymore, okay? So it's critical that we find our buyer pool before we go out more critical than ever. You could make mistakes before and you just wouldn't make as much money, but you make mistakes now and you're not gonna sell your house. So we need to talk about the changing strategy and finding that buyer pool. We need the six point inspection. Inspections are back, everybody's getting them. They'll kick out 50% of the contracts if you're not careful, they will extort thousands and thousands of dollars from your sellers if you let them. So the preventive medicine now is a six point inspection. Um, this is extremely important uh, and very, very helpful. Um, you need to make sure that every person that puts in that computer that they favor this house gets a phone call from our agents, right? So we also need to be prepared to defend the price. We might not get as many contracts as we had before. So when they come in and they are quoting prices, we need to make sure that we defend our price. We tell them how we arrived at that price and we make sure that they understand all the upgrades in that house and how much is packed in. So a lot of times we were fielding contracts. Now you may have less contracts and you need to really prove the valuation of that house. That's where a good realtor comes in handy. And have a plan. I mean, before 90% of the house were selling in the first 10 days, now only 20% of the house are selling in the first 10 days. So what that means is that if it doesn't sell right away, people have to reduce their expectations. They need to be a little more patient. They need to have a plan for week two, a plan for week three, and a plan for week four. Okay, we'll talk about all that. These are the changing strategies. Let's whip over and take a look at the market and where we are. Now, what you're looking at is an extremely healthy real estate market. Now, consider this. These are the percentage of the homes under contract. So 10 homes are on the market and we're at 50%. 50% of those homes are under contract and 50% are not, okay? Now, if it's over 60%, if more than 60% of the houses are under contract, that's a seller's market. Remember in the early spring, it was 75, 85, 80, 90. I mean, it was way up there, right? 
So that's not really healthy when the sellers have too much control because it pushes prices to a, a ridiculous number. And it's not good when it's too low. If it falls below 40, that means you're in a buyer's market. That means buyers have control and that's trouble too, right? So we don't want really to have the sellers in too much control, the buyers too much control. We want to be in, an, in a normal, healthy market. And that's what we're in currently, right? So if you look around, that's pretty amazing. Everybody's at about 50%, right? 50, 52, 49. And unless you get to McLean where they're at 28, for some reason, I have no idea why McLean houses struggle to sell. But I'm going to show you something in a minute to knock you out. So, so this is not a bad market. This is not a buyer's market. This is not a, you know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen market. This is a very healthy market. And I'll tell you why only 50% of them are under contract. Because most people overpriced their houses. I had a house that we're struggling with a buyer on a house. It's $1.8 million, $1.9 million. So we're kind of struggling to push it around and push, push. Well, we might walk. So I took a look at the other competition. So our home is on the market for 118% of assessment. The other three homes that are on the market are at 150% of assessment, 165 and 175. If you want to go, go. Go find another house. I, we don't care. So our policy on looking at that was there is no competition. There is nowhere for you to go. If you want to go leave a house that's 119% of its assessed value and you want to go try and buy one at 165% of assessed value, knock yourself out. Go do it. You know, So it will give us more leverage that we do have a good house. It is in a healthy market and we're not going to get pushed around. Okay, So you need to know your leverage in this game. But what you're looking at, other than McLean, is a very healthy real estate market. Now, we look at the overall market in Northern Virginia where we say, okay, how many homes are under contract? Well, you see back in January is 78, 75, 73. So it's, it's been dwindling down all the way into early August where it hit 43, it's back up to 46%. So when you look at everybody and everything, we're at 46%, and that's, again, a healthy market. Shading a little bit more towards buyers. But to be honest with you, if you do the things that we talk about, the strategies we talk about, I really couldn't care less about what that percentage is because most people are not doing what I'm about to talk about. And let me tell you the result of that. Well, before I show you the result, actually, I'm going to show you the result. That's the result, okay? Now... These are the withdrawal rates. In other words, if 50 houses sold and 50 houses withdrew unsold, then you 50-50, right? So in the green here is what the withdrawal rate was in the spring. Let's call it February and March. That's our real estate spring is February and March. 9%, so the average was 7%, right? So the average withdrawal rate in February was 7%. So in that case, you say, really, anybody can sell a house. The trick is to get the most amount of money for the house, right? Well, now look at it in July and August. 28% of the homes have withdrawn unsold. So, so really, almost three out of seven houses are, you know, seven are selling and three are not. Three are just withdrawing from the market. They can't sell. So it's these rates that are very disturbing. Right. So if we're at a 50 50, which is a healthy market, why is it that 20, 25, 30, 
percent are going are with we'll talk about McLean in a minute are are withdrawing unsold well because they're not practicing the strategies that you need to practice in a market like this okay and we'll pick them apart one by one but most of it has to do with just overpricing a house it sits the realtor doesn't know what to do the seller doesn't know what to do everybody starts panicking and they throw it off the market because they just don't have a plan right we're going to talk about that plan today now look at McLean more homes get your arms around this more homes sold more homes withdrew between july 1 and the 15th of august more homes withdrew in mclean unsold than sold than one under contract now when you think that you put your house on the market you do a lot of work do a lot of effort everybody does a lot of work to get a house on the market if it doesn't sell that harms the value of the house. That puts a black mark on the house. That makes it, you know, something's wrong with that house. Well, you know, once you withdraw the house, that's a problem. Now, there's a certain number of people going to withdraw because they don't get the price they want. They put it on, we put on a house for like 1.8. Uh, they got 1.925 and they didn't, they wanted 2 million. So they took it off the market. Right? It couldn't get to two million, they took it off the market. That's that's that one out of ten that just kind of gets weird. But to think that five out of you know more more homes withdrew than sold, um, somebody's doing something wrong, right? They're not following the strategies of a tough market like we're going to go into. Not not really, it's tough compared to what we were, but this is really a normal market, right? But a lot of people are gonna think they still feel like they're in May or June or April, and they're still making these mistakes. And you know, you really can't make mistakes. So, so why is the market really stable? Remember, I always tell you guys that we want to look at the inventory, right? So if we've got inventory, these are the number of homes that came on the market from July until August the 15th or August 25th. All right. I like the way I spell August, by the way. Um, so the inventory is down in Fairfax County, 14% over the five-year average. So let's say we usually do, you know, uh, a thousand homes. Okay. Well, then this is 860 homes. So we're down 14%. So if you look at this all across the line, we're, our inventory is down. That means homes that are coming on the market is down. So if the inventory is down, that kind of suppresses the buyer's market, helps out the sellers and keeps us level at that 50, 55%, right? Of homes under contract. So, so really what's going on? We're not getting any inventory. That's why it's not some crazy buyer's market. It's not a crazy buyer's market. It's a, it's a normal market. And one of the things to make it a normal market is we're not getting the inventory. So we still don't have those homes on the market that, you know, create that, that run, that, you know, collapse in pricing or whatever. So, so anyways, oh, let me just see something. Okay, good. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a lack of inventory that's keeping this going, but there is no excuse, no excuse at all for more homes withdrawing in McLean than selling. It's just, just ridiculous, you know, that a realtor can allow that happen. So, Anyways, I, 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 I kind of look at that market and I shake my head over how they allow this to happen. So let's know where we were, and then I'll tell you where we are. So 
this is a chart that goes back to 2000 and it takes a house and says, okay, in 2000, the house was worth X. And I do every, you know, couple of years, five years or whatever, I'd say, okay, what is it now? What is it now? What is it now? So the red line is adjusted for inflation, right? So if you take that price and you adjust it for the inflation, that's the red line. That's the value line, okay? So you'll see in 2005, it spiked up, right? Because there was, all heck was breaking loose. What happened was the amount of buyers went like this, right? Anybody could buy a house. A ham sandwich could buy a house, right? So it went up, right? Well, then it got a little crazy. And then, of course, as you know, we had 2007, 8, 9. We went into a little recession, big recession, financial catastrophe. And it came back down to that value line. But see how it hugged the value line? It would go up a little bit and down a little bit and up a little bit and down a little bit. Then we have a pandemic. And the pandemic threw shockwaves in the real estate market. The inventory was down. The buyers were still here. The buyers didn't go anywhere. So before you know it, the buyers didn't have a house to buy and that drove prices up. Supply down, demand up. So what happened? We were in such a seller's market, the prices went flying up much higher than the value line. Okay. So what's happened between, I did this chart uh, a month and a half, two months ago and today. Okay. So the prices have corrected about 7% in some markets. So maybe it's not 1.375 anymore. Maybe it's 1.275. Maybe it's 1.3. Maybe it's one between 1.25 and 1.13. And so, so we need to be cognizant of the fact that the prices have pulled back a little bit. They are not going back up because they still have a ways to go. Right? Currently, it's $275,000 over the value line. Now the value line is going to increase because we have inflation. So this is gonna go up a little higher and this is gonna eventually come back down in here. And maybe in 2023, late 23, 2024, we will meet again. We will meet the value line again somewhere down the road. And that may take two to three years, two years, right? So, so right this second, we're not panicking. We know that prices are right about in here somewhere, you know? And then the whole key to how we're going to operate in this market is what we're going to talk about right now. So it's not to panic. And it's not like if it comes down a little bit, we lost any money. I mean, we're playing, if you're a gambler, you're playing on the house's money right now. Okay. Let's talk serious about some of these changing strategies. All right. So what is the major mistake that people make? And I don't think I need this on here. So let me get rid of this, cut my screen. And I think I just cut my screen good. So, so what are the things that we need to do, right? We need to, first of all, when I'm pricing houses and I'm trying to determine what the original price we're going to test, that we're going to test. We used to do that on comparables. What are the comps saying, right? What are the homes that have sold in the last 90 days that are within a mile and within in that same price range? We don't look at those anymore. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's not going to do us any good. They may say homes are selling at 122% of uh, assessed value and X amount price per square foot. Well, guess what? They're not doing that anymore. It was 122, now it's 115, or it's 112, or it's 117. So we need to look at the most recent, recent sale, and that is the pendants. So I'm more concerned with what's in the pending folder and what's in the active holder than I am what's in the sold folder. 
So the solids are going to be more than the pendants and the actives. And that's why I don't worry about appraisals because I'm showing them houses that sold in May that are selling for higher than they, they are currently right this second, okay? So, so when we're, we're trying to be realistic about pricing and somebody says, well, I know but my, my, my buddy, uh, you know, sold his house uh, in May. That was May. Uh, this is July and August and we got September. So that was then, this is now. We need to look at what's currently going on. Now, again, when we're doing the pricing, the only reason you price, the only effort of this price is to find the buyer pool. If you find the buyer pool, you win because more people come in the house, the more people come in, the more the contracts, do they still bid up? Yes. Are they still bidding up $100,000 to $150,000 list price? Yes. Yeah. Are they still selling in the first weekend? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, if your house is correctly priced, we did our job. We tested it on a predictive analysis. We launched it with all the marketing fanfare, known to mankind. Yeah. We know that we got a lot of people coming in the house. We know we're going to have contracts. We know we're going to, you know, that we are in demand. Yeah. It's going to get, it's going to, same thing, no changes. But finding that buyer pool, it may not be here. It may be here. So again, don't be concerned about the list price because the average list price, you know, can go up $100,000, $150,000. Uh, sales price can go $100,000, $150,000 over list price if we find the right buyer pool, okay? So that's the first thing. The next thing we need to do is we need to be prepared for an inspection. An inspection is the pox of the real estate industry. Um, I don't know why it's so difficult now. I mean, it's almost like uh, the seller is the enemy, the house is the enemy, the way some of the contractors are uh, inspectors and um, you know, a buyer wants to buy a house, so uh, an inspector comes along, he scares the living heck out of them. If you don't have an agent that has good control of their inspector and their, and their client, it's going to be a problem. So making sure that our agent is experienced and gets through these things and knows how to handle this situation is more critical today than before. So when we're accepting contracts, I think who the agent is, is as important as anything, right? Because they understand how to handle it. It's going to be 42 items on a home inspection report. Uh, a rookie agent is going to go, oh my God, there's, I had no idea there's going to be 42 items on an inspection report. An experienced agent is going to go, look, there's going to be 42 items on the inspection report. We'll figure out what's important and what's not important. And then we'll just, we're going to, we're going to save our political capital and we're going to fight for whatever we really need that's important. Okay. And then we'll come to an agreement and there'll be a, 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 um, concession or whatever, however it's going to be. But they're professionals at negotiating these and not freaking out. The, the inspection could freak a buyer out and kill the deal, right? So we want to get out in front of that. And we have a six-point inspection. So we use somebody like Bob Lamb. We'll have Bob Lamb come out and Bob will go, all right, let's check the in, let's do the roof inspection with the drone. Let's, you know, check all the foundation. Let's check the beams. Let's check the electrical work, the plumbing, the appliances, how old is the furnace, how old is the, uh, you know, all of these things. So the main, the six items that people mainly look for, moisture in the basement, 
Do we have moisture? Do we have leaks? Do we have mold? Um, do we have any cracks in our foundation? Do we have any problems? Is everything done to code? So once you get a six point inspection and you can give that to the buyer, it gives the buyer who's trying to decide whether he wants to deal with this house or not, it gives them the confidence that this home has been inspected. I got it. This looks great. And to be honest with you, you know, with the book we put together of all the material the seller has for their house, all the, the warranties and contracts and service contracts or repair bills, you know, we got a notebook and we got an inspection report, right? So we're trying to give them the comfort level that if they're competing for this house with other contracts, they don't need an inspection. We're trying to get out in front of it. Now, if there's something wrong with the Casey Sampson listing, we're going to fix it. Just the way it is. We don't want to have anybody suing anybody. We don't want to deal with blowing up. We don't want a home inspector coming in and finding out something that, you know, we knew about. So, and, and it's not a big deal. It's just, if it's, if it's serious, we need, we just need to fix it. And, and if it's wear and tear, it's been identified. You bought the house. This was the price. It says there's wear and tear. We already said there was wear and tear. That's already in the price. We're not going to pay for it twice. We're not going to give you a lower price on the house and give you money for a new whatever, HVAC unit, okay? So, so this negotiating home inspection now becomes center stage, whereas before, we didn't see a home inspection for two and a half years. Now we do. So get out in front of it. Let's get a six-point inspection, and let's make sure that we have all our ducks in a row before we launch, and we cut them off at the pass, okay? So determining value based on comps, finding the right buyer pool, testing it on your predictive analysis, getting your six point, um, your six point inspection all lined up, making sure the home is prepared correctly. You know, maybe you can get away with yellow walls before now you can't get away with yellow walls. Now you really need to make sure this house looks like it's in good shape. It shows well online. We need to attract people into this house, right? The more people come in, the more the contracts, the bigger the, the bigger the price. So before we would have 50 agents whose clients favored this house. So we don't need to call them because we're going to get mobbed, right? Not so anymore. It may only be six, maybe eight, maybe 10 people favored this house in the MLS. The buyer pools are smaller, okay? So what the agents need to do, and I went over all this with the Samson property agents yesterday, is you need to go into your reverse lookup you need to find all the agents that have those favorite buyers and call them. And you need to tell them, you have somebody that loves this house that we just put on the market at 1838 Toy Way. It's a $1.65 million house. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But you need to call every one of the agents and make, make them identify who that buyer might be and, and make sure that you get them set up with a showing. Okay? So... So now we're trying to get people in the house. All right, now we got people in the house. Now what are we gonna do? Well, a lot of times um, a buyer is struggling for what they wanna offer on the house. And, and an agent struggles. I gotta tell you, I'm just not, I don't have a lot of confidence. Most agents have now uh, resorted to going on the computer and letting the computer tell you what your house is worth. And most of them are wrong, by the way. I mean, most of them are wrong. RPR is a disaster. Um, I'm sorry, Zillow's wrong. Um, Redfin is wrong. I mean, they're all over the place on what the value of the house is. 
we need as professional realtors to be able to defend that property, defend our price, right? So we have our spreadsheets, we have our worksheets, we have our summaries, we have everything ready to go. If the average house is selling at 122 and we're at 118, that's a fair price. If the average home is, is selling at $354 a square foot and we're at $348 a square foot, that's defending the price. This price is here. Here are all our upgrades. Boom, 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 boom. This is why we think the house qualifies as an upgrade. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know how you spell boom, 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 but that's the way it is. So we need to defend the house. We need to defend the price. You are going to have buyers that are going to be a little more picky. Well, I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And, you know, I don't know. So we need to be responsive to them. We need to be responsive to that agent. Hey, I know you're buyer thought that it blah, 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 didn't have a good, wasn't a good school district. Don't know why they look at the house and think about that. That nothing changed, but we defend the school. We tell them why this is the greatest school of all time. Uh, I didn't like the backyard. Yeah, I know you don't like the backyard, but if we had a big backyard, we'd have to bump the price $50,000. We deducted a lot discount for the lot. So so in other words, we go over validating why the price is what it is and why it's worth what it is. And then we leave it open to say, but you know, they've got a screen porch on the back. We're not sure what buyers are willing to pay for that, but we're going to find out. They have a pool in the backyard. Pools are extremely valuable. We did not put that into the valuation. So if a buyer likes the pool, they're probably willing to bid that house up. We're not sure how high they're going to bid it, but that's up to them. Okay. So we need to defend the price of this house. The other thing you need to do is not disclose how many contracts you have. First words out of everybody's mouth. Well, we're thinking about how many contracts you have. Sorry, we, we, we don't need to get into that game. We'll see everybody on Monday at 12. If you have a contract, please submit it. The end of contract submissions are Monday at 12. The seller will look at it at that time. We'll get back to everybody as quickly as we possibly can with the decision. And we will take backups. Now, I just, we could have one contract, but what I just said sounds like, sounds like there's a lot of contracts coming, right? So we're not going to get into, well, I've got three and, you know, four might be on the way. We're not going to play that game. All we can tell you is we're going to take highest and best offers, no escalation clauses, Monday at 12 o'clock. It's getting a lot of showings. We're not going to play that game of who's writing a contract or who's not. Sometimes we get most of our contracts on Monday morning. So I'm not gonna keep updating everybody how many contracts we have. So, you know, we try and be very helpful, very thoughtful. Um, we know our house is priced correctly. So we know it's gonna attract contracts. So, you know, defending the price, making sure they all feel comfortable, making sure there's an open end for what the bidding is going to be, what it's going to start at. Um, that those are all important. So these strategies, are what you have to do up front. The other strategy is do not accept the first contract that steps in and says, you don't accept this contract, I'm walking. A, that tells me you didn't love the house in the first place. B, tells me you're a bully and you're gonna bully us. Not only are you gonna bully us right now, but you're gonna bully us in a week when you go home inspector or somebody else comes, you're gonna bully us all throughout this whole thing. So I'm not looking for a partner that's gonna try and bully my seller all over the place. It, this is strenuous enough. So if you want to throw something like that in and I accept a contract on Friday before everybody's seen the house, 
that's not going to end well, right? We know we have people coming in. We know we have scheduled showings. We know we have contracts on their way. Even in this market, we know that. So let it happen throughout Friday. Let it happen throughout Saturday. Let it happen throughout Sunday. Now, as I was telling the agents, if we're, if we're through Saturday and I've only had three showings and each agent goes, my son, like, they're not close to interest in that. I have one person interested in it and they make us an offer we can't refuse prior to an open house. And I really know that I've contacted all the agents and there's no interest in this house. We may think about that. We may think about it, but we don't want to, but we might have to. So, so we'll make that decision. We don't want to be flexible. You know, it's like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Sundance says, can I move? You know, and he shoots that thing up because I'm better when I move. So, you know, don't get dug in. Um, relax. Um, and, and each thing is different. But I will tell you that the most important contract we're going to have is our backup contract. For some reason, and I don't know why it is, there are more people kicking out of contracts right now. Whether it's the economy's making them nervous or, you know, for whatever reason, maybe our inspectors scared the hell out of them. Um, we need to be thoughtful about that, right? We need to make sure that we have that backup contract because I think the more inspections, the more kickouts, the more kickouts, the more we have to go back on the market. We don't want to go back on the market. We want to sell to contract number two or three, right? Don't skimp. Do not skimp. Let's say you have a, a railing and the railing is rotten and you don't want to fix that railing. Fix the railing. Fix the railing. You're gonna you can either pay two thousand dollars now and fix the railing, or take forty or fifty thousand dollars off the price of your house. You decide. But in this market, as I again, as I told the agents yesterday, you're either gonna drive the bus or you're gonna get hit by a bus. So our job is to make sure that my clients are on the bus, that we're driving the bus, and we are not standing out in the street getting smashed by this bus. And if you don't fix certain things and it looks like an eyesore, you are in the street and you're gonna get hit by the bus, right? It's my job to make sure that not only are you not standing in the street when the bus comes by, I don't wanna be standing in the street next to you and get dragged down the street by this bus, which is this real estate market. So we'll give you the best advice possible, but these steps are going to help you drive the bus not get hit by the bus. So the last thing I would say is, let's say we do all our homework, we price it, and we do our contract, and we don't get a contract. And you know what? Not every house is so desirable that everybody wants it and they're gonna fight over it, okay? Some are your basic family homes and they're just not gonna start a, a, a riot over it, right? It, it may take a little more time, okay? We need to be patient. So it doesn't go under contract in week number one. All right, now, now what do we do? Well, we be patient. We wait for the Monbacks. We don't really do anything. We go back and circle back to all the realtors. The Monbacks, what did your clients think? Well, they just didn't want to get in a bidding war. Well, you know, we didn't have a contract. So, you know, are they interested in writing now? And then before you know it, you may get two or three people coming in and you may say, okay, we have multiple contracts at this point. We're gonna just give us your highest and best offer. And we need to negotiate. Remember, these are the Monbacks who came on back after the wave because they didn't want to bid anymore. So we need to handle that with very great 
touch, if you will. All right, so the Monbacks are in week two. They come on back. They're going to see if they are interested. By week three, right, the first wave has gone through. The Monbacks have come through. Now we're going to week three. I've got a buyer pool of 400 agents and their email addresses. I put out a notice to all those realtors. We might consider a contingent on the sale of your home contract, right? So a lot of those people have to sell a home and they know that they can't go in on week one because if there's a bidding war, they'll never win it. They'll never be able to win that war. So they stay out of it, right? So now they're in it all over again. All right, but the people that are sitting there with homes to sell are waiting. So now we reach out to the people with homes. And we say, we open the doors, we say, okay, come on in, bring your contingent on the sale of your home contract. Now, if we can do two, three, or four, then maybe we get one without a contingent sale. But what we're doing is we're opening the doors to say, we can probably sell your house easier than, you, than sell your house easier than our house. So I'll assess any house coming in as, is this a real easy sale or is this a tough sale? If they show me a house, it's beautiful, it's all done, and they're gonna price it right and everything else. You give us our price, I'll give you your terms. Your terms are contingent on the sale of your home. No problem. Our home is still on the market during that period, okay? But it opens it up to a whole new market in week three. I'm not saying we're pulling the ripcord yet, but I'm just saying that now we're going to open it up. That's the plan for week three. Plan for week four is after week four, after you've gone through the first wave, the Monbacks, the, um, um, you know, the home sale contingencies, that, that group. And again, I talked to the seller about this. I said, this is our strategy. Do you want to do, you want to do this? Some of them say, nah, we'll wait. Don't worry about it. Okay. So now we go to week four. Okay. Well, any contract that comes in in week four after you've been on the market for four weeks, it's coming low, right? It's coming $50,000 low minimum. Trust me. If you're on for a million, if you're on for 850,000 bucks and it is not under contract within 30 days, then any contract comes in already is going to discount it to 800. So we're going to beat them to the, beat them to the punch. And we're going to go ahead and drop it to the 800, where it's an entirely new buyer pool. You got a whole new group of buyers in there, which is probably three times bigger than the buyer pool you were in before. Now we open it up to them and then that may bid it and bid it right back up over $850,000. So, so the plan is first way, mom backs, open it up to everybody else. Discount the price, get a bigger market pool. They've already, you know, so I really don't want to go down. The market's already taking you down. So, the new buyers coming in, you can either have one buyer at 800 or you may have 10 buyers or five or six buyers at 800 that go up to 850 or 875. So it's, it's, there's no sense of being subject to just that one person. Let's open it up to everybody. And I'll tell you what it does. It, it is a threat to that buyer. It's like, you can either give me 850 or we're dropping it to 800 because I know we can get that. I, we get multiple contracts of that. That's not what the buyer wants. Buyer may go, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 840 or 845 or 850. Don't do that. I'll give it to you. We do like the house, right? So, so that's a, a threat um, um, that we're willing to do. 
and it will encourage them to come off that money and, and do it. So, so we've taken a look at the market. Um, uh, withdrawals are now um, a part of the um, equation. So it's not how much money I'm going to get. It is now, am I going to sell my house or not going to sell my house? I might not. I might not even sell it, right? 55% of the people in McLean didn't get a chance to sell the house. They pulled it off withdrawal. We're in that market. You need to adjust your strategies. I've just gone over some strong strategies to do in a market like this. They work. I can tell you they work. If you're thinking about selling your house, get it on the market. The inventory is down. The buyers are still out there. They're just looking for good homes. We just have to make sure that we have it inspected, that we have it prepared, that it's a, what we're calling the gold standard listings are just, they priced it where we should price it. We prepared it the way we should prepare it. And we've had it inspected. And those are gold standard listings. We're trying to separate ourselves from everybody else. We want to attract as many buyers as we can. We want them to have comfort that they don't need home inspections, that the price is accurate. Okay. So that was a busy day on Coffee with Casey. My name is Casey Sampson. You can reach me at 703-508-2535. My email is Casey at CaseySampson.com. If you want to know what your house is really worth in this market, give me a call or text me. Again, 703-508-2535, and we'll help you out. We'll see you again next week on Coffee with Casey. Bye now.